Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. usually stand, but I thought I'd try the more casual sitting, and we'll just kind of see how that goes together. Look forward to your feedback after. I, I will be asking, how was it for you? Um, and um, so, <laughs> so I'm going to start with a story, and then we're going to read a, a, a portion of our text for today, Okay. Um, so, some years ago, I found myself hopeless. I was ready to end my life. And one day, I found myself at a men's Bible study comprised of pretty much uh, most, yeah, I don't think I knew anybody there. <laughs> I don't even know how I got there. Um, and we broke up into smaller groups, and we were praying for each other, and I was just so numbed out. I uh, was just like, I don't, I don't care, whatever. Um, I, didn't have a, I didn't have a problem, you know, sharing what was going on. And there were two guys that I was praying with and and sharing with. And one of them, um, he looked at me as I was sharing. And he's this, like, big, tall, like, strong, manly man sort of dude. And he just starts weeping. I'm not crying. I'm like, my, my fate is sealed. But he starts crying. He's weeping. Tears are streaming down his face. And I believe that in that moment, in, in some way, I don't totally understand how it works, he shared with me, he shared my pain. He experienced this thing called compassion. And the compassion that he felt led him to do two things. Number one, to listen intently. Number two, to pray for me. And actually, I'll add a third thing. The third thing was that he asked for help, meaning that he, um, he grabbed um, an older gentleman uh, who was a pastor, just had a lot of experience with a lot of different things, and the, he pulled the pastor over and asked him if he could, you know, join us in the prayer, and he did, and um, a lot of cool stuff happened, and um, this this moment in my history is actually one of 
the greatest moments because through an act of compassion and suffering and vulnerability, all these things sort of converging in one, um, my life was forever changed. The trajectory of my life that was uh, moving towards the abyss, moving towards the nothing, changed. And I started, started to uh, go the other way. And so in this case, I was the recipient of compassion. And I can tell you, compassion matters. It's not something that I think is meh, whatever. It actually matters. And I'm speaking not only from being a recipient in an experiential way, but today we're going to look at a text that talks about Jesus being compassionate. In fact, we're going to learn that compassion was actually the motivator for why Jesus did the things that he did, which was essentially restore people. So we're going to bring up a text from Matthew 9. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9. And actually, why don't we go ahead and just read this together, okay? When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is an amazing insight into the person of Jesus Christ. He was, I mean, this moment he, Jesus got, went around uh, teaching, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom. Um, in other words, God is within your reach. And then he would not only proclaim that, but then he would demonstrate that by meeting tangible needs, like healing someone who was sick, freeing someone who was oppressed by the demonic. And Jesus, we, we, this text is, I think about this moment where Jesus is looking on a sea of people. And it says that Jesus was looking at them and he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. I believe this, this is something we cannot miss as followers of Jesus. Jesus is compassion. And to follow him is to follow the way of compassion. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. The Greek word here, uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. It's, it's very hard 
What is it, Bill? Splunkninskomai. Splunkninskomai, yeah. <laughs> no, it's serious. I mean, that's, that's really the word. Um, but it's, it, the etymology of the word is, is, is very interesting. It's, it's, it's a couple Greek words that are sort of squished together to make a word. Um, essentially, it's, it's talking about your gut. It's talking about, like, literally your physical insides feeling pain. Like, have you ever seen something that's maybe you would call gut-wrenching? Something, like, you see something and you're overcome by this feeling of, this is not right. This is not okay. And you're actually moved by this emotion to do something about it. You're moved to help. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Splinko, whatever that is, right? <laughs> so, this is the end of chapter nine, and we're going to talk about chapter 10. Now, chapter 10 is, is giant. We don't have time uh, to, to read through it all today, to talk about it all today. So what I'd like you to do um, later on today, maybe this evening, is to read through chapter 10 of Matthew. Um, Make sure I'm not making stuff up, <laughs> okay? So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to just sort of summarize and, um, and talk about some, some practical takeaways of living a life of following Jesus that is living a life of compassion, okay? Does that make sense? Okay. Sometimes, I'm just checking because sometimes I say things that make sense to me and like no one else gets it. Do you ever feel that way? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, I'm not alone. Um, <laughs> so, uh, actually, can we put uh, the end of the very last part of, of chapter nine back up there? So Jesus, as he's in this moment of looking at the crowds, feeling compassion, he turns to his disciples. They had been with him for, I don't know how long at this point, but they had been with him uh, watching him do the stuff that he was doing, okay? Uh, they had a front row seat, so to speak. And Jesus turns to his disciples and says, look, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Okay? So I'm going to come back to that at the end. Um, but Jesus does something funny. I think it's funny, at least. You might not think it's funny. So as we go into chapter 10, the entire chapter is about Jesus sending his disciples out to go and do the same stuff that he was doing. And he gives them specific instructions, and he also um, lays out some expectations as they go. And I think um, there's a lot, there's a lot for us to, to learn here and what it means to follow Jesus, what to do and what we can expect. So we're just going to briefly talk about that, okay?
Um, So number one, following Jesus, as we're looking through chapter 10, uh, will cost us. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this from like the long term, like the whole of your life picture, okay? Not like tomorrow, <laughs> necessarily. Uh, but maybe, I don't know. Um, following Jesus will cost you your pride. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do I mean? Jesus sends his disciples out in teams, in pairs. What does that mean for us? There's no lone rangers in the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I'd prefer to work alone, you know, because I have total control and I don't have to, like, work things out with someone else. Um, but Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, uh, is calling us to do the work of the kingdom, to follow him together with other people. And, I mean, you think about it, it's like, as I've been pondering it, again, you're, you're not the boss, you're not in control, you have to learn how to work in a team situation, which means relationship, which means we have to learn how to grow in listening, to grow in forgiveness, to grow in grace, to grow in compassion, um, to learn how to be deferent. It's a whole other dynamic than just trying to do this stuff on our own. Uh, how many married couples do we have in here? Okay. So you know the thing about when you're married, like, it's not, it's not all about you anymore? <laughs> You've got to work as a team? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like that. Okay. Um, so you got to lay down your pride, right? Uh, I don't need anybody to do this. Uh, also, we have to rely on Jesus to do the work of the kingdom. Again, my, my default is, yeah, I'll just, I'll go and, and do stuff and it's going to be great. And Jesus is actually asking us to rely on him, to trust in him. You know, I'm thinking of an example from the text. Um, you know, he says, when you uh, are put on trial for following me, don't worry about what to say because the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking through you and give you the words to say. That's like radical faith, <laughs> to be dependent on God in that way, right? So it, there's, there's not really a method. We can't rely on like, oh, I figured out I figured it out how to love people, right? Every situation, checking in with the Holy Spirit, being dependent on God. Um, we're also relying on the authority of Jesus. The text says that Jesus gave his disciples the authority. 
his authority to do the same stuff that he was doing. So we don't, we don't have the power to do miracles, right? Jesus does. He has the authority over life and death, sickness and health, and everything else. So we're walking in his authority as we minister. He, he is the one who heals. He's the healer, not us. Following Jesus might cost us our reputation. We might need to put our reputation on the line, right? Jesus told his disciples as he's sending them out, look, essentially you should expect to be treated the same way that you've seen me be treated, right? Some people are like, this is amazing, I'm in. And a lot of other people are like, no, like you, and, and people are even, were even saying, going so far as to say, Jesus, like, we can't dispute that he's doing miracles, but what we are disputing is the source of his power. Like, he must, the only logical thing for them, because he wasn't taking up the sword and being the Messiah in that way, he was taking up the power of the Spirit and healing people and raising people from the dead, right? So he, didn't, he just didn't fit in people's expectations, particularly the religious leaders of his day. So they came to the conclusion that he must be in partnership with Satan. And they ended up murdering him for it. So our reputation might get maligned. Next, popularity. I want everyone to like me. I gotta lay it down. If I'm gonna follow Jesus in an authentic way, in a meaningful way, I've gotta die to that. Because it's not gonna happen. My proclivity to people please to make everybody like me and happy? Nope. Follow Jesus. Next, relationships. Following Jesus sometimes will cost us a relationship, whether that be with our family or a close friend. I mean, Jesus he was betrayed. He was sold out by Judas, one of, his, one of these 12 disciples that he's talking to. And finally, your life. All of these 12 disciples, except one, died of old age. No, I stepped backwards. <laughs> Only one died of old age. That was John. There was Judas. He committed suicide. After he sold Jesus out, the guilt just led him there. Everyone else was literally put to death in one form or another for following Jesus. Now, here, that's not really something we have to worry about physical death. But in other countries, I mean, you know, it's like, that's a, that's a real thing, right? 
So Jesus is calling us to himself, to the place of compassion. And we're heading in towards a close. And we're not, it's not as though, and again, I want to, I feel like it's important to, to restate, like, the stuff that Jesus tells us to do and to expect is, like, the big picture arc of our life. Um, you know, probably not experiencing all these things on a daily basis. Um, although, I don't know. Our God is a God of compassion. And it's easy, I think it can be easy, especially in this city for a variety of reasons, to just not care. I'm living my life. I got stuff to do. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but I think it can be actually easy to fall into a place of numbness, of I'm not affected by the suffering that I see. And I really think God wants to change that. I've been thinking a lot about compassion, and I don't know that we have to have some intense, crazy experience uh, like every day, right? Um, like if we have experiences, I think that's great. Um, and there is something about God wanting us, like the more we follow Jesus and the more we're with people, our heart will break. And Jesus will help us in the process of becoming more like him, more compassionate in a way that will move us to action, move us to do something about what we see. And in this city, I mean, there's need. It feels like everywhere you look. It's my beautiful sounding timer telling me I'm done. So just to wrap, um, I think the Lord wants to uh, reinvigorate some compassion in us today. And it's not something that we try, like, strive and, like, try and just muster up all we can, you know. But I do think it's something we can ask Jesus for. Like, Jesus... Break my heart with the things that break yours. It's a very honest, very simple prayer. I'll be honest, sometimes I just don't care. I'm, I'm like just numb. It's like, Lord, help me to see things the way you see things. You know, and uh, one of our founding pastors, uh, he, had, he had a great saying. I don't, I don't know if he made it up or not. Either way, um, I think I think it's it can be very helpful in us like moving forward in action. And his thing was, who do you see, and what do you have?
And I think that's a really great starting place. So I would, I would challenge us to be thinking about that this week. Who do I see and what do I have? And just be asking the Lord, Lord, help me. Help, help me to be more like you. And final thing um, is, as I've been praying, as uh, a group of us have been praying, even this morning, um, I felt like the Lord uh, just, he just kept bringing up the word time. And what I'm, my sense with it is that in this city, um, in f- trying to follow Jesus and like, how do we move towards compassion? Time is an issue. Time can be, can be uh, an obstacle. It can be something that's like, sort of standing between us and doing this stuff. And I think all of us probably, there's, I'm sure in this room alone, there's like maybe 20 different kinds of schedules that people have, you know, in, like in your daily rhythm. Maybe some are like more like nine to five and then others, you know, just kind of two weeks I'm, I'm working and then two weeks off, that sort of thing. So I don't think there's one answer to this, but I do feel like the Lord um, wants to, to, to talk to us about time. And the thing is, I don't have the answer. Maybe that's good. <laughs> like, I don't, I'm, I don't have a method or a solution to like, okay, is it, is it just as simple as let me just move some things in my schedule around or do I just need to cut some things out of my schedule? Like, is, is, that even, is that even possible? I don't know. I'm just being honest, I don't know. <laughs> but I do know the Lord is calling us to himself. So, um, I just like, I just want to check in. Is there anyone, is anybody here feeling something like maybe you're just feeling like there's something, there's a thought just sort of twirling around in your head um, that maybe you feel is like God is actually speaking and it's something that like God wants to say to all of us. Is anybody feeling that right now? So, you know, why don't we stand? And let's just open our hands in a posture of receiving. And there's no magic tricks here. It's just like about honesty vulnerability. Let's just open our our hearts up to the Lord 
and ask him to just begin to speak to you. Lord, where, where am I Am I, am I numb? Are there certain places in my heart where I'm just like, I've shut it down, I've, I've cut it off, I'm indifferent, I just, I just don't care? Lord, where... Where can we start? Because this, this thing of compassion seems really, really important to you. And we don't want to miss you or your heart or what you're doing or what you want to do in us and through us together as a community.